friends out there. This is the Dr. Me First podcast, a podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians. I'm your super sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and your coach in life. And that's right, I am now officially your life coach. I'm bringing you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice through this podcast. I'm hoping that you're enjoying all these conversations with our female colleagues and you see that you are no longer alone in medicine because this truly has become a community of truth-speaking, life-saving, and fierce females who want to support and lift each other up. Well, today is episode number 50. That's right, 5-0. And in today's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Leah Houston. She is an emergency medicine trained physician who, after some time in practice, realized she wanted to go in a different direction. She now has her own private practice. She's done some lobbying, some education. But what we're going to talk about today is her company that's all about blockchain technology and medicine. What? I know. I knew nothing about uh, what she is doing and this sliver in our digital world, but I think you're going to find this really intriguing. She explains it well. She talks about our digital identity, who owns and controls our identity, how they're marketing physicians specifically to make certain healthcare decisions to point healthcare dollars in certain directions. It's absolutely fascinating. I'm so excited to have her as a guest. I can't wait to share this conversation with you all. And afterwards, I'm going to give you my own little kick of encouragement that involves some technology. So here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Wiseman back with you today. And I have another beautiful guest. This is Dr. Leah Houston. I am so excited to jump in our conversation, talk about her word. But first, I'm going to let her tell you guys a little bit more about her fabulous self. Hey, everyone. Uh, Leah Houston here. I am a board-certified emergency physician. Um, I, you know, I practice here in the U.S. for uh, nearly 10 years. And I realized that, you know, there's a lot of talk about burnout. There's a lot of talk about the physician shortage. There's a lot of talk about, in general, like the disempowerment of the physician community in healthcare. Um, and, you know, patients and doctors are both frustrated. And something happened to me that made me realize that a lot of these things are all interrelated. And a lot of them could potentially be alleviated by a new technology that I had recently learned about. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it as, as uh, we have a conversation. Love it. Thank you so much. I love it. That's a great intro. Okay. So your word that you submitted today was empowerment. Tell me why you picked this word. Well, you know, I think that we all are feeling, as, as a physician community, we're all feeling disempowered. Um, and our patients are also feeling disempowered. And so, you know, I started a company around this new technology. Uh, and one of the words in the name of the company, it's called the Humanitarian Physicians Empowerment Community, uh, because it's very important to me that we re-empower the physician community, because in order to fix our current healthcare crisis, in order to uh, improve all the current situations we're dealing with, we need to empower the physicians to be in control of healthcare again so that patients can have choice again as well. 
Absolutely. You are speaking my love language with all of that that you just said. Okay. So you have given us a teaser about what you're doing. I want the deep dive now. Tell me exactly about this company and the technology you're using. So, you know, we're in this digital age where we have all of these personas now online. You know, back in, you know, the inter the World Wide Web was invented, I believe, in 1991. Uh, you know, so we're almost hitting the 30-year mark, and our lives have completely changed. Um, you know, 10 years ago, our lives had changed. So it took only like 10 or 15 years for the internet to change everything that we do. And now we have electronic health records in healthcare. We have Gmail, where we get most of our communications. We have online banking, where we do most of our finances, PayPal, Venmo, MasterCard, all these things. Um, we have telemedicine now, where patients can communicate with us over the internet as well. Um, but all of these different platforms are very scattered. They're centralized and owned by multiple different people. And we have our identities as physicians kind of scattered all over the internet also. Um, and it's, it's in some ways, it's because of the evolution of how things are. However, there's a new technology that allows us to have one self-sovereign identity. And when I say self-sovereign, I mean owned and controlled by you that then plugs into the systems that you want it to plug into, whether it be your Facebook account, whether it be your bank account, or whether you choose not to plug into those systems anymore, and then you just want to communicate directly with other colleagues or with your patients. And so this type of technology basically allows for those types of communications and transfer of data without the need for all of these different entities to be kind of uh, involved in the transmission of that data. Yeah, because it's so important that all these different companies can have their fingers in our stuff you know when it comes to our online identity it's it's just as important as like my, my parents used to worry about my, my social security number being stolen yeah and my mother still is like she refuses to use credit card to buy anything online god love so them. you know that's the god old way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true like i remember i oh yes oh yes i my grandmother is still that way like you got to be really careful, Aaron. And I'm like, Grandma, it, things have changed. It's just different. <laughs> right. You know, and things have changed. But as you pointed out, a lot of these companies want to keep their finger on the, you know, the pulse of what's happening. And they want to stay involved because they're getting a piece. They're getting a cut. You know, people don't realize when you are scrolling through and when you're looking at things on Twitter, on Facebook, when you're searching the, the internet, if you're logged in under your, on Chrome, under your Gmail account, they're watching you. They know who you are. Sometimes they have your address, your phone number, they have your location, and they see how long you're looking at that ad for a new piece of furniture. And then, whoa, all of a sudden you have a bunch of pieces of furniture ads coming up. How did that happen? It's because they're watching you. And because they're trying to make money off of you, they're trying to find ways to commoditize on your time and your attention. Same thing with Facebook ads and things like that. So I think that people are starting to slowly wake up around this, you know, with the Cambridge Analytica situation that happened, they're paying attention. Now the European Union has started enforcing GDPR, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, more privacy protection for individuals. 
So I think that, you know, people are starting to wake up to the fact that our attention and our time is valuable. Um, and that's, that's kind of what this is about. That's one of the things this is about. Yeah, because it's amazing how much, you know, they can commoditize that data, you know, having, having all of our data patterns and our habits to know how to best like market to us, I think is phenomenal. Right. And so when we think about our data and our attention and our time as physicians, you know, we are currently living in the middle of a $3.5 trillion healthcare system. You know, when you think about it, it's the fifth biggest economy in the world. So, you know, you have the U.S. entire economy, then you have China's entire economy, and then Germany, Japan, and then the U.S. healthcare system is bigger than every other country's entire economy. So when you think about that, that's a lot of money. And when you think about how that money flows, you know, only like six to 8% actually ends up um, paying for physician services. It's a very small amount. 30% is wasted on administrative nonsense. Mm -hmm. But when you think about how that money is directed, around 80% of that money is directed by the decision a physician makes in conjunction with their patients. You know, whether you get a CAT scan, whether you get surgery, whether you get admitted, whether you get this prescription or that prescription. all of these are decisions that are made by physicians. And so because of that, you know, uh, health records companies, EHR companies have found ways to capture our data, to watch what we're doing so that they can turn around and analyze it in order to further control our behavior and control the behavior of our patients. This is going to make a great sci-fi book. You know that, right? <laughs> Even though we're well, living unfortunately, right now. we're living in the sci-fi book. <laughs> I you know. know we're living in it. I know. You know, and it's really scary to know that you know people now they're they're collecting people's blood and they're you know people are sending their information in to get their DNA results and what are they doing with that data? What is you know are we signing a waiver? Are we signing away all of our rights? Are they going to then turn around and sell it to the government? Are they going to sell it to the pharmaceutical industry? Are they then going to turn around and you know, not give us health insurance because we have a gene for this or that, and they know now because we've given them them our, our DNA. These are all really important questions that I think now in this new, you know, ever advancing space, precision medicine, et cetera, we need to start thinking about these things, especially as physicians, because we're the master protectors of our patients. Exactly. We're definitely the gateways that, that a lot of these can go through. So tell me more about your company, the the for the non-educated female physician that I am, I I don't I don't know about like your services. So tell me more about how you you help me, for instance. So um, you know, we are very early stages. We are in our friends and family uh, fundraising stage. So we have not built the product yet. We have several prototypes that are accessible. They're open sourced prototypes. But essentially, um, this new technology is based on distributed ledger technology. And it allows individuals to have sovereign rights and ownership over their data and um, in the form of a digital identity. So right now we have identities all over the internet. You know, I talked about your Gmail account, that's part of your identity. Your financial identity is partially owned by your bank and by your FICO score. Um, your social media identity um, is Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these things. But those are small snippets of who you are. 
Um, and those are also controlled by each of those little companies. This type of technology allows you to be the end point control. So people don't realize, you know, if, if Twitter doesn't like what you say, they can mute your post. If, uh, you know, same thing with Facebook. This type of technology essentially allows you to con contract, to make agreements, to transfer data um, between individuals without the need for those third parties, without Twitter, without Facebook, without LinkedIn. Are you there? Yeah, still here. Sorry, oh, I'm, I'm so just sorry. thinking because as you're talking, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just processing. Sorry. <laughs> it's very on the edge of reality. You know, it's very, it is very hard to, um, to explain, uh, you know, it's like kind of trying to explain how, you know, oh, you know, we're going to just be able to call cars from our phone back in 1991, um, you know, before the internet even existed. It, it wouldn't have been able to even be conceptualized in some ways. Um, but if you, you know, if you realize, you know, physicians are the ones that are creating these electronic health records. And the patients want their doctors making decisions. They don't want the insurance companies or the records companies. So if a patient is contracting directly with their physician, but they still need to have data transfer, they still need to have a place to document and communicate what's going on. And if you still, if you want to be able to take that data and go somewhere else with it. So right now, you know, if you went to, you know, outside hospital and outside hospital has your records and you want to go to, um, you know, San Francisco Grace, you can't, you need to wait months. You need to get the records transferred. They might be incomplete records. You, you know, there's no way for that hospital to communicate because you as the individual don't own your records because it's not owned by you as, in a self-sovereign way. Similarly, with a, as a physician, if you're working in those hospitals and you want to work in a new hospital, you have to go through this laborious and antiquated credentialing process, you know, two, three months of your uncompensated time, um, paperwork, redundant forms, proving that you are a doctor, that you went to medical school, that you took the test, when you've already proven that. How many times do we have to prove that in our lives? So if we as physicians untether ourselves from that system and own our data in an identity wallet that we own and control that's portable, and our patients similarly own their data in uh, a self-sovereign identity wallet that they own control that's portable. We no longer are tethered to these systems. We no longer need these systems in order to, when I say transact, I mean essentially communicate these data points, communicate the information that we need in order to move things through the system. So right now, I like the the illusion of identity wallet because I can I can wrap my head around that. I, I see exactly what you mean. Like as I've credentialed with different hospital systems, it's the same exact thing. It's just on their form instead of on the previous form. Whereas if you had a way to communicate all that by just being like, oh, here's the file. Do what you need to do yeah. with it. And then, you know, the other thing that I really like about the identity wallet is then you can shut it up when you're like, oh, nope, you don't get that information anymore. Like we're done. And you know, you no longer have that access, I think is, is really important. So tell me as you're developing this, because like you said, it is very conceptual. It does take like a different level of thought processing. Where are your, your challenges coming from? At this point, I don't, the only challenge I have is a scaling and a bandwidth challenge because I'm essentially doing this on my own. 
you know, it's my company. I have people that are helping me and working with me in the background, but, um, you know, I have hundreds of emails every day and I have to decide which ones to open. Um, you know, I have to decide where to put my energy and I'm working really hard in the background, trying to just continue to engage from a social media perspective. So people know who I am. Uh, you know, doctors, a lot of times have a hard time trusting people. They wonder what the motive is. Uh, so I think that my only challenge now is the fact that I have not yet gathered enough funding in order to hire some staff to help me manage this. Um, but I am making some amazing connections. I was in London a couple of weeks ago uh, discussing potentially white labeling some technology that already exists that's very similar to what we're doing, meaning we could just make some tweaks and launch it. Launch it. And, uh, you know, so things are moving. It's just, I'm at that stage in the, the very early stages. Yeah. So that's my biggest challenge. Your support to grow. Well, girl, I am so excited to support you as a colleague and as a millennial who wants to protect her data. This just sounds absolutely amazing. I'm so very intrigued by it. Tell me and all of my listeners where we need to go to hang out with you and to support you. So um, I'm currently in New York City. And so if you're in New York, um, you know, I would love to connect with you. I go to Crypto Monday, Mondays, Crypto Oracle it, uh, has developed these Crypto Mondays. They're now all over the world. You can find them on their meetup groups. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter uh, at Leah Houston MD. And I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, same handles. Uh, and, you know, just go to our website. You can sign up for our newsletter. We're you know, engaging with people, you know, once every couple of weeks or so. So you're not going to be flooded with a bunch of nonsense. We really try to kind of keep it very meaningful. Uh, I just rolled out my most recent video. So you can kind of hear a little bit about the backstory as to why I started this company. What was it that happened that made me realize that this was such a necessary technology? And it's a pretty terrifying story. I think that uh, most physicians would be shocked to hear it. So uh, mm. I'd love you to take a listen to that. You got me interested and now. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and I'm going to be rolling out a bunch more, you know, like you said, it's kind of a difficult thing to explain in such a short period of time. So I'm going to do like little one minute videos, snippets to help people kind of understand. I'd love to do some Facebook lives or some webinars so I can answer questions. And if this is something that you want to be a part of, I mean, this is something that's coming with or without us. You know, this new, you know, digital health era is coming. It's actually here already. And if you want to be a part of the solution, if you want to be aware around these technologies, and if you want to be in control of how they're delivered and how they're received, you know, this is your life. This is your choice. And you, you have an opportunity now to become involved in a grassroots effort that's going to put the control back into the hands of physicians rather than these corporate, you know, enterprise structures. Absolutely, because now is the time that we do that, that we get a hold of the forefront instead of chasing the back like we've done on some other policies and issues that I, I know in yeah. my short medical career so far that I feel like, yeah, it's time to belly up to the bar and be a part of the conversation rather than bitching and moaning about it afterwards. So kudos to you, girlfriend. Amazing. Say your company name one more time. HPEC, H-P-E-C, and that's H-P-E-C dot I-O. Uh, it's not dot com, it's dot I-O. Humanitarian Physicians Empowerment Community. Come join us. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
So I was rereading Ender's Game for like, I don't know, the 10th time since I was a kid the other day. And I was thinking about it specifically in relationship to this conversation that I had with Dr. Leah Houston. You know, the stories that my parents used to read as kids and when the sci-fi genre was new, we are actually living that now. I mean, her example of Uber and just think about when car phones came out. Who could believe that you could be on the phone while driving down the road? It blew all of our minds. But I think it's just so amazing to recognize that we are living in an age that other people dreamed about. So with that being said, using this technology as a privilege and as to our advantage is so very important. So where in your life do you maybe need to institute some technology to help you out? Maybe it's like us here at the Wiseman household. We recently got an Echo Dot back before Christmas when they were on sale. I wasn't really sure about having it in our house, but now it's great. Every morning, the kids go and ask what the weather is so that they know how to dress appropriately and we're not all guessing. What's an instance in your life where you could use technology to further advance what you do in your life? And then on the flip side, I think it's really, really important to take a digital detox every so often. There are some studies now showing, especially in our young people, that withdrawing technology from their lives is actually causing some withdrawal symptoms. I know, it's crazy lot, right? But think about the last time that you left the house without your phone. Did you have a mini panic attack? I know that I used to, but it was before I started totally putting my technology away and being purposeful about it. Now, you can't go totally cold turkey. You might jones out for the first time, but I do want you to start being intentional, um, taking your cell phone, plugging it in to charge in a room far away from your bedroom when you're not on call, putting the kids' tablets up, saying we're going to go play outside or read a book or do an activity that doesn't involve a screen and see how you and your family react. Because it is so important now when our identities can be fully implemented into the digital world to remember that life is happening outside of that and around us. So there's your kick of encouragement for today. Use the force for good, not evil. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.